I was having coffee with a friend one day about 15 years ago. I don't normally remember coffee conversations from that long ago, but this one stands out because something happened to me. My friend and I somehow came across the topic of the movie Pretty Woman with Julie Roberts and Richard Gere, and we both remarked that our favorite scene was when Julia's character goes into that high-end store and gets treated so poorly. You got my stuff. Thank you. How much is this? I don't think this would fit you. Well, I didn't ask if it would fit. I asked how much it was. How much is this, Marie? It's very expensive. It's very expensive. Look, I got money to spend in here. I don't think we have anything for you. You're obviously in the wrong place. Please leave. Great scene. And that got us both to comment on the experience of walking into a high-end store and having the salespeople respond. And we both kind of paused to think at the same time. What was going through my mind was how the sales staff always trip over themselves to try to please me, hoping for, you know, a big expensive commission. And I commented on that, thinking our experiences were probably similar. My friend, a Filipina female, said her life experience in that scenario wasn't like that at all. Sales staff watch her like a hawk, thinking she's going to steal something. Well, she could have thrown a glass of water in my face at that moment. I realized that my ethnicity, I have the complexion of a mobile phone flashlight, was probably why I'm treated like temporary royalty in those stores. But my friend is regarded suspiciously. Your life experiences shape who you are, how you think of things, how you speak to others, how you understand others, all influenced by the way people treat you in life. As marketing and comms pros, we need to understand that aspect of our audience if we're going to be successful. Today on Stories and Strategies, the benefits of multicultural campaigns and why failing to embrace diversity in your strategies could be... Big mistake big huge i have to go shopping now my name is doug downs brief scene from pretty woman off the top distributed by touchstone pictures walt disney studios motion pictures and touchstone home entertainment the song Pretty Woman, written by Roy Orbison and Bill Dees, of course. Uh, just before we get started, I want to thank Christina Brekova, lives in Moscow, Russia. Uh, she works in PR and communications, left a great little promo for uh, our podcast, Stories and Strategies, on LinkedIn. Thank you for that, Christina. Spasiba. It is Hispanic Heritage Month, September 15th to October 15th. My guest this week is Manny Machado, joining today from Miami, Florida. Hi, Manny. Hi, Doug. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. For me, it is a pleasant, let's, uh, in Fahrenheit, let's call it 70 degrees outside, maybe 60, high 60s. How is it for you? Oh, nice. I'm headed to the airport. No, for us, it's a little humid and warm and, and hot. But uh, but it's great that we can have a, a balance of, of of temperatures to to keep the conversation flowing. So so I can tell you it's quite warm and, here. And you're saying the weather the weather channel has a here's how hot it feels. How hot does it feel in Fahrenheit right now? The the heat factor today is 105 Fahrenheit. So it's nice, uh, warm, and humid. 
<laughs> in South Florida. I'd be bringing an extra shirt to work if that was uh, a. <laughs> That's a good that idea. Me. I'm going to take you up on that. <laughs> Manny, you have more than 30 years experience in branding, strategic marketing, public relations, and business administration. You're the co-chair of the CECOM Group, which is a full-service multilingual agency based in Miami, one of the top multicultural agencies in the U.S. by Billings. In 2020, CECOM was chosen the number one PR team by PR News. And you've been part of more than 34 award-winning campaigns touted by the American Advertising Federation's Addy Awards in 2022. You've been part of a number of boards and foundations. For example, you were on the board of directors for the Smithsonian Institute's Latino Center. That sounds like awesome work right there. It, it, it was really fun. Manny, Tom Petty, good Florida boy, by the way, has a song with the opening lyric, I started out down a dirty road. You're just kind of suggesting humble beginnings to all things. And I, I think those those humble beginnings really set the context for what makes a multicultural campaign ultimately successful. You are a Cuban-American. What was life like for Cuban-Americans in the 90s as opposed to today? That's an interesting uh, juxtaposition because... Uh, as 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 Cubans continue to migrate, regardless of, of the times, uh, it really hasn't hasn't uh, changed much. It has it just has evolved into and transitioned into different wants and needs. Uh, especially in the multicultural space, we're able to address those because uh, being uh, of Cuban origin, my parents were first or were, were immigrants, and and I'm a first um, first generation Cuban American. So. Um, our life has has changed, thank goodness, because of obviously because of technology, innovation, um, and where um, where our voice um, is is headed. Uh, when I started in this business, everyone predicted that multicultural and especially the Hispanic space would disappear, would integrate, uh, we would stop speaking Spanish, and all of the data and all of the research from much more learned people than myself. Uh, lead to quite the contrary. And that's an opportunity and also it, it demonstrates uh, growth uh, in, in our society and acceptance of, of multiculturalism and, and how relevant it is to today's marketplace. Isn't that interesting? Even in the 90s, there was prognostication that the language would become at least lesser, if not disappear, just become lesser in the world of business. That I find that amazing. It, it was. And, it, and, and interestingly enough, we find that as there are first, second, and, and in some cases even third generation um, Hispanics, that they're still reaching. We are, and I say when I say them, we are them. I am them. We are reaching back into our roots to to totally identify with all things uh, Hispanic or Spanish speaking. So yes, there was this this entire move when I started my career in television that we would ultimately not be able to have a need for uh, Hispanic television or Spanish language television or even addressing the multicultural space. And then as a result of that, uh, we realized not only how wrong it was, it, uh, you know, when, when we have uh, all of the fiber optic technology that, that leads us to five or 600 or a thousand channels, we see that that's just not the case. Right, right. And through the course of your career, then you sunk yourself into corporate life, just like me, um, joined the dark side, celebrate the dark side for a little while. Then you left corporate America to start your own firm. I, I kind of share that story with you. Tell me about that path for you, though. 
it, it was a, 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 a an interesting awakening because I, I, I gave my heart and soul to to corporate America, uh, and and uh, and became a true believer in how I make a living today and what hopefully I'm contributing back to 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 the space that that I am so identified with. Uh, but uh, you were so graceful in how you uh, positioned my exit from corporate America. I really didn't have a choice. I was a casualty of an M&A. And, uh, and so that led me to think, well, I want to call my own shots. I want to be an entrepreneur. And I want to make a difference, especially in all things Hispanic. And so that insight of, of knowing what corporate America was looking at, but more importantly, what corporate America was not addressing, what they were not speaking to, what, where we were missing the mark, is what led me to to formulate what is today uh, how I make a living and how I contribute back to 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 my original uh, upbringing, my roots. Okay, let's dig into multicultural campaigns. Tailoring a campaign to meet your audience. Marketing 101, but always good to start with 101 mm-hmm. before you move on to 102. The key there is to not treat any one group as one homogenous group, right? We can't just say the Hispanic community, oh, well, everybody thinks like this. That, that's, that's not it. People of Hispanic heritage share similarities. They obviously don't all think alike. Um, share some examples of campaigns that your team has led with that in mind and what made them successful. Thanks for bringing that up because I think that uh, that is a, a a myth of um, and and we see it every day uh, in, in our in our as part of our work in our new business effort we see a lot of in, important marketers that are just not uh, being well counseled because they're thinking that a check mark is going to help them uh, reach the overall uh, Hispanic audience. And then I'm thinking, well, someone is translating and not transcreating. Someone is being uh, driven and not being guided. And and so uh, we, we did a great campaign for, for our client partners um, at Neutrogena, which was called uh, Urban Divas. And uh, that is a great example of, of being able to address so many different Hispanic audiences. The, the Hispanic market um, in the West Coast is completely different than the Hispanic market in the Southeast or in the Northeast. We have Caribbean, Latins in, in South Florida. Um, we have a different type of Caribbean Latins in the Northeast, uh, coming from uh, the islands from Puerto Rico, from uh, Santo Domingo. Um, in, in, in Miami, we have, uh, as an example, Cuban-Americans, Colombian-Americans, Nicaraguans, Venezuelans. Um, and then we have all of the largest Hispanic audience, which is on the West Coast in Texas, uh, which uh, are sometimes first and second generation Americans, which, which are still tied to their ethnicity and are still um, un- perceiving uh, messaging and media from their own countries, so from Mexico in particular. So we need to be able to be smart in how we create campaigns that are culturally and language sensitive to all of these different audiences. Tell me about how you saw the differences between the two, uh, some examples of how um, someone of Cuban or, or uh, a Puerto Rican descent was different from, from someone of more of a California uh, descent or, or an Hispanic person living in Texas. What were some of the, the little nuggets that you could tailor that, that made it special for them? 
Well, in this particular campaign, Urban Divas, for example, uh, that I was referencing earlier, we were able to come up with a lineup of 10 different uh, top-line entertainers that really were representative of each of the different nuanced markets within the Hispanic market. You mean Gloria Stefan doesn't cover everything? You don't just hire Gloria Stefan and that's it? You're touching a very soft chord because she's a friend and also because we're both Cuban, but there are so many talented um, performers. And we are very fortunate that in, in the Latin genre or the Hispanic genre, that there are so many crossover performers that have been able to to strike a chord and, and bridge that gap with all audiences. So to be able to put them all in one package and be able to market it as urban divas, it was really right on point because that little nugget which you were referencing earlier was what is the commonality? Obviously, the language. But Carol G is not going to say the uh, same thing that uh, Cardi B might say or or even Gloria if she were uh, not so busy and w- would have been on the stage. So all, all of those nuanced um, uh, possibilities for reaching each of the each of the language factors and each of the geographic factors uh, is what made that particular campaign a, a success. Just just theoretically, how would one go about finding those subtle or I guess sometimes not so subtle differences? Um, and I'm not asking for specific examples, but what kind of research do you need to do? Or is it a constant stream of research and being in touch with different communities so that you understand this is what's going to make it special? Well, you know, that's a great question because that's explaining that very question that you asked me is how I make a living and how um, all of the associates here at CECOM make a living. Our cultural insight and our diversity in the workplace and and, and countries. So we have over 20 countries represented um, just within our small uh, mid-sized firm. Uh, so it's 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 having that cultural insight. And, and, and no, it cannot be replaced by just a very well-spoken person that happens to speak Spanish properly. You need to know uh, that there are four or five different words that you could use to talk about a flip-flop, as an example. And so having that in, in that knowledge internally and that cultural uh, in, uh, uh, insight allows us to pivot campaigns to, to, to talk to the audiences that, that we need to reach at any given time. And if the bottom line is money, which it so often is, multicultural campaigns really are a no-brainer. I pulled up some stats. According to January 2023 numbers from Statista, the Hispanic population of the United States is just under 63 million with a buying power of $1.72 trillion. That's up more than 400% just in the last 20 years. That is powerful stuff, Manny. It is, and and and, and thankfully, uh, in tw- in in two thousand and in twenty twenty, I was wrong. I underestimated how important this market is, and 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 all of the research, Pew, uh, uh, Jennings, all of the research led to us um, and uh, thinking that our population and growth exponentially would be obviously the largest minority in America, but we did it so much faster. 
and so much sooner um, while embracing the, 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 what was perceived as a multicultural divide before, uh, embracing multiculturalism, embracing um, different other sectors of the Hispanic or multicultural community in, that we will continue to grow, which is why it's baffling to me how hard uh, my pitch has to be to advertisers and, and clients alike uh, from the onset. I, I have to spend 40, uh, 40% of the time that I get in the elevator pitch or on stage for 45 minutes understanding and trying to justify what is clearly evident um, to anyone that's reading or or has the the uh, the possibility of listening to someone as example as you as learned as you that cares about this and and understands the value of the hispanic market amazing baby steps maybe baby steps and lastly the benefits of creating a narrative for your brand as a multicultural brand so that when people see the emblem, um, that's just the logo, but they, they, they think about your brand, your essence, they think multicultural. Why is that important? Well, it's important because it's representative of the market and the landscape where we live. So if you, if you, wherever you are in America, uh, or, or in, in North America, uh, and you're, and you're, and you're, and you're driving around or you're, uh, going about your daily life, you will be touched by multiculturalism regardless of what you do. You Even if you chose or decided you were going to live in a silo, you can't. So so that those little touch points are always going to, to be relevant. And all of those, those provide um, insight uh, to us uh, as we further develop campaigns uh, for our client partners in, in the future. We recently made a... Um, a, a, a presentation to to one of our esteemed client partners, uh, Toyota, uh, on AI, and um, they they asked uh, many agency partners to come in and to talk about how we were innovating in a very broad question. What are you doing in innovation and in AI? And I was proud to say that, let's say if I could be objective, which I'm not, about the Hispanic market, that we were as good as all of the other agency partners that we work with and collaborate with, if not the best. And why? We were ahead of the game. We realized that uh, when we asked, uh, when we prepared the presentation and said, we want Sofia Vergara to be the person that's going to be the AI voice for our presentation. AI nuanced it to sound like her, her tone, but to sound like an English speaker as Sofia Vergara. The reason is that ergo why they need us. So we're not going to be driven by AI. We're going to be guided by AI. And all of our insights are still relevant because we said, no, that does not sound like Sofia Vergara. It just sounds like the tone of her voice, but it does not sound how she would speak. And so that insight, again, is what we're getting from all the touch points, as you as your original question was, um, in terms of multicultural and the multicultural space. That's perfect. I really appreciate this today, Manny. Thank you for your time. No, and thank you for the platform and for, for listening to us. Uh, Hispanic Heritage Month is an integral part of the Hispanic community, and celebrating it is, is an essential goal for our company and for, and for our community. So thank you so much for giving us the platform. Absolutely. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Manny Machado, we've got his contact information in the show notes. 
Stories and Strategies is a co-production of JGR Communications and Stories and Strategies podcasts. If you like this episode, do us a couple of favors. Number one is leave a rating and a review. That really tells others that this is a podcast worth listening to. As well, share this episode with one friend. Thanks for listening. 